0: Well, good morning. So today we are wrapping up our series, I Am David. Uh, Pastor Mike will be back next week, and we're going to be starting a series called Building a House of Faith. And so I hope that on your way in, you received a postcard for that, uh, that you can take home and you could also use that as an invitation for your friends. Now, uh, this, this is a very exciting moment uh, for us because uh, we've been waiting five weeks for this moment right here. Uh, see, the past five weeks we've been building David, and we talked about how he's complex, how he's made up of, of many different pieces. He's not one-dimensional. He's he's like us. You know, we've made mistakes, and we've done really great things. And David is very similar in that regard. And so we talked about him being a, a shepherd, someone who started out kind of being a nobody, uh, but just someone who was caring and compassionate for his flock. And then we talked about how he's a warrior about how he defeated uh, Goliath with God's help. And we talked about, in week three, about how he was a fugitive, someone who was on the run for his life and, uh, and, and, you know, hiding out in caves and all that kind of thing. And then we talked about David the Redeemed last week, where we talked about how he fell hard into sin uh, with temptation in Bathsheba, and had uh, committed just about every single one of the, the Ten Commandments that he broke, and, and yet he was redeemed because of his confession. He was redeemed whenever he was confronted. Uh, he responded uh, with humility. And so, so this is the final piece that we're talking about in this series, and it is David the Worshipper. And so here is our final piece that we get to put up, David the Worshipper. So we're going to put him here. See, no more do we have to have a decapitated David. But rather we get to have a whole piece of David. And I should also tell you guys that, that in our video, we actually zoomed out with not just the headpiece, but rather we zoomed out with the whole body, the whole David. And the reason that we, we chose uh, to really emphasize the whole body rather than just the head, is because worship is, is a holistic action. It's, it's about the whole body. It's not just about one piece of it. Uh, I think that there's many times that, that we, we think that, um, that worship is some sort of intellectual exercise, You know that we're using our mouths and we're using our brain to worship God. Uh, but, but really, it's about offering our whole selves, We even find that in in Romans 12, uh, Paul commands us to offer our whole bodies, our whole selves, as a living sacrifice. I mean, just think about that for a minute, to offer our whole selves as a living sacrifice. Jesus said, and even in our song, that uh, if we were to sum up all of the commandments, he said, you'll be doing these things. You would be loving God with your whole heart, your whole strength, your whole soul, In your whole mind, see this idea of worship. It's it's not just a piece of us, but rather it's all of us. We are giving our whole self to God as an act of worship. Now, when we talk about David, David is indeed a worshipper. He would play his harp for God, and he would sing songs. Now, I actually, uh, you know, I'm big on props, and I'm a very visual person, as you can tell. And so, I actually searched eBay for uh, how much a harp would cost, so that way I can have one up here. I thought. You know, it looked kind of cool. Maybe I can chime in during the praise team or something. Uh, But it turns out they cost about $15,000. So, uh, you know, I'm all about props, but, you know, I don't get that carried away. Uh, So just, you know, pretend like there's a harp up here when we talk about David. And as he's uh, a humble boy playing his harp before the Lord and worshiping him. Uh, David even went on to write some of the the most famous praise songs uh, in the whole world. And we call these psalms and we'll find them we even have them today in our bibles in the book of psalms and we're going to be looking at many of them this morning you see if we look through the psalms and we look at how david worshiped we're going to find that worship is about a few things that david is trying to tell us about worship Uh, the first thing is that it's about connecting to jesus it's about connecting to jesus see many times we kind of lose perspective and we forget what worship is really all about. It's not a chore. It's not something that's on your to-do list that you get to check off. It's not even part of your Sunday morning routine because it's not even only can happen on Sunday mornings. It can happen outside of Sunday mornings. It can happen outside of church. You see, it's more than all those things. What it is, it's about us connecting. It's about us connecting with our creator and our maker. This God, this Lord of all who is powerful, and yet, even though that He has created everything, He is also someone who's personable. He's also someone who who is intimately connected or intimately uh, created us, and He knows us by name. Uh, the Psalms even say that He knows the amount of hairs on a person's head. I mean, it's crazy how much how much uh, God is just He knows us, and how much He wants to connect with us. And so, really, worship is all about a relationship. It's all about connecting with God. Now, imagine if you said you had a relationship with someone. Imagine, you know, like uh, Krista, my uh, wife, as she was here. Imagine I said, yeah, I have a relationship with her, but I never talked with her, ever. And and I never spent any time with her. Uh, Eventually, someone's going to say, well, you say you have a relationship, but but do you really? It wouldn't be that much of a relationship. See, worship, this connection with God, it's not a painful obligation. It's it's not even something that's supposed to be a mediocre experience. Rather, it's supposed to spiritually fulfill us. That we're supposed to be filled up. As Psalm 63 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. See, through worship, we're fulfilled. It's supposed to be something that is satisfying when we connect with God. See, so now God is, is someone who is someone who's so amazing and so extraordinary, we can't even understand who he is. I mean, that's just how amazing this God is that, that we worship. And so worship is simply acknowledging that. That's why we'll sing songs about how he is so great and so powerful. We're, we're, we're using our words to acknowledge that. Uh, and also, I love this idea of communal worship. I love people coming together for worship uh, because we 're saying that we believe these things together and and together that here 's what we confess, and we want to we want to shout it out from the mountains but you see i got to tell you guys, see this is what worship 's supposed to be about, but many times if i 'm completely honest with you it 's not always like that it's, sometimes it 's like uh, worship can become a routine for me i you know maybe there 's there's certain points in the worship service where I look at my watch, uh, which is weird because I haven't owned a watch in about 10 years. So instead I'll have to pull out my phone and look at the time, and I kind of start counting backwards, oh, we only have 10 minutes left or something like that. I've got to confess that you know, there's been times when I've, when I've done that. There's been times when I've been distracted. There's been times when my heart has not always be, been in it, that, that I'll find myself just kind of going through the motions. Or maybe uh, another thing that we can do is maybe we can uh, show up here on Sunday mornings and lift our hands and sing and praise to God, all these things, and then we walk out of here and then our lives don't reflect all the things that we just said to God. It's like we don't live consistently. We don't worship God consistently with our whole self throughout the rest of the week. So our big question we have this morning is this. What does it mean to worship God more fully? What does it mean to worship God more more fully? What does it look like to go beyond the mundane, to go beyond the the ordinary average experience, and to really worship God with our whole heart, strength, soul, and mind? Now, I hope that you asked this question this morning to yourself, and and I hope by the end of this uh, that you have a few notes, but I hope that you keep thinking about that and keep chewing on that uh, throughout the rest of the week, one way is to use our spiritual gifts to worship God, which is our second point. We are to—it's about using our artistic spiritual gifts to glorify God. See, here's the good news: is that everyone here, you guys, are made uniquely. We are—we are gifted. We have these. These talents, we call them spiritual gifts, because they're not just gifts and talents, but they're, they're spiritual in that they get to glorify God. They actually get to, um, you know, you get to bring those talents to serve God. Now, the thing with this is that we all have different gifts. We all have different talents. Like, for example, I can play guitar okay, uh, but don't ever put a mic in front of me. Or at least make sure that the microphone's not plugged in, okay? Okay. Um, You know, for example, in worship, maybe you're maybe you're an expert at playing triangle, okay? And and maybe you could use that triangle to really, uh, you know, worship and glorify God. Or 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 maybe uh, you can't even play triangle because you're just not musically inclined, and and that's okay because because maybe you have other gifts that you can use to worship God. For example, if your gift is administration or organization, which is actually not one of mine as well, but if that is your gift, then maybe you can come and you can volunteer in the office for a couple hours. Maybe your gift is hospitality, and you can serve in the coffee house, or you can be a greeter. You see, uh, there, and the thing is, there's no hierarchy of spiritual gifts. It's not like one person has a better spiritual gift, or another person has a worse spiritual gift. Uh, you see, the thing is that we're all different, and they're all necessary. Paul gives us in the Bible in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, he gives us this analogy like it's a body. And he even calls us the body of Christ. Because what he says is, he says that just as a body has many different uh, members, many different parts of the body, uh, so are we as the church. And the thing with this is that they're all necessary. Like, for example, uh, you know, some people may say, well, geez, I don't want to be the toe. But then again, could you imagine walking around without toes? Could you imagine just how, how necessary and how foundational uh, some of these pieces are? And so, so the thing is that we all have different spiritual gifts. And we all get to use them uh, to serve and glorify God. David writes this in the Psalms. He says, Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. With loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. See, not only did David, uh, not only did he use instruments to to worship God, uh, but there's times when he even danced for the Lord. See, worship is about art. It's about using artistic abilities to to praise him. Now, the thing with this is the style, the actual outer cell, the the look, the appearance of it may change over time. Like, for example, I, I can guess that... Uh, David three thousand years ago in his worship, I bet it sounded very differently than than our worship today. I, I would I would guess that that's the case. But here's the thing that that's totally okay. Uh, our eight o'clock service sounds different than this service, than our nine thirty and eleven service, and that's okay. See, it, it's not about style. Rather, it's about this: Is God glorified? Is God glorified by using an organ? Is God glorified? Yes. By using a guitar, is God glorified? Yes. Last week, uh, the power went out. And we, we worshipped here without power. It was, uh, it was 19th century style, without electricity. I've always kind of wondered how you would worship God without power. And uh, we figured out how to do it last week. But here's the thing. Was God glorified? Yes, even without electricity. Uh, one of the coolest things that, that I've seen was when I was on a mission trip in Mexico and we were at this uh, charismatic Lutheran service and, and uh, everyone brings their tambourine from home. I guess it was like B-Y-O-T, you know, bring your own tambourine. And so uh, everyone was dancing and, and they were singing and, and what was interesting is that uh, we even recognized as some of the Americans that were there, we even recognized some of the, the melodies. So we were singing in English while they were singing in, in Spanish and it was just this really cool moment was God glorified. Yes, absolutely. You know, we even think about the organ. We think, well, that is the traditional uh, instrument for worship, isn't it? We, we just, that's how we picture it. But what's funny about it is that that has not always been the case. Uh, the church has not, uh, the organ has not always been in the church. Uh, about 500 years ago, you would only find the organ not in the church, but instead you would find it in the symphony halls. And, and so basically it was designed for pop music. It was, it was the rock concerts of the day where everyone would come and they would uh, hear this, uh, the organist or they would see the symphony. It was, it was the pop music of the day. And it wasn't until Martin Luther showed up on the scene. He said, I have an idea. How about if we use that instrument for worship in the church? And people just thought he was crazy. And so he actually uh, had this famous quote. And I just love it. He says this. He says, why should the devil have all the good music? <laughs> Isn't that great? Don't you just love that? Why should the devil have all the good music? See, it, it, worship is about the arts. It's about, it's about uh, taking all the different styles that, that we have and all of our different spiritual gifts and using them to glorify God. And this leads us to our third point here, that worship is about offering sacrifice. So here's the thing. If, if you want to stay completely stagnant in your faith, and if you don't want to grow, and, and you don't, then simply stay inside of your comfort zone. If that's, if that's what you want to do, then just simply stay in your comfort zone and not sacrifice. But here's the thing. If you want to grow, if you want to be challenged, and you want to be stretched, one of the most rewarding things you can do is to offer a sacrifice for God, to live sacrificially. David said in Psalm 25, I offer my life to you, Lord. It's this idea of not just giving a piece of me to God, but rather it's this idea that I'm giving my whole self, everything about me, to God as a sacrifice. A friend of mine once told me that the worst sacrifice you can give God is something that does not matter to you. So what are the things that matter to us? Well, I identified three things that I think all of us in this room matter to us. The first is time. Now, if there is another God in our culture that people worship other than the true living God, I would say for many of us, we have this idol. We have this idol of time because we just don't have enough of it. It, It's this uh, precious commodity. Now, uh, oddly, it's one of the most constant things in the whole universe. The clock ticks at exactly the same pace today as it did yesterday as it did a thousand years ago, right? There's still 24 hours in a day. And yet, even though that, that is the most constant thing, this is one of the things that, that we struggle with the most. Because the reason is that we, we fill up our schedule so quickly, and, and we spend our time doing so many things, and it's, like, it's almost like time just flies, right? See, we put so much into our daily routine. Not only do our kids have soccer, but then after soccer, we've got to go to club soccer. And, and we, we have all of these things that we just jam-packed into our schedules. And we say that, well, we have to do these things. We have to do them. Our schedules fill up quickly, and there's no time at the end of the day for things like rest and being with our family, connecting with God, worshiping God, you know, the things that apparently are less of a priority than all the other stuff that we've quickly filled up our schedule with. But here's the thing. God says that he wants us to take time. He wants us to take time out, to carve out of our busy schedules to worship him. He says that we need to meditate on his word day and night. I love that word meditate. Just just this idea of pausing and slowing down and just savoring God's word, meditate. And not just once a week, but day and night, often. He even gives us this in the Ten Commandments. He says, he says that we are to take a full day. He calls this a Sabbath to each week. And we are to keep it and we're to make it holy. It's this idea of, of taking time out of our precious, cluttered schedules. And worshiping the true living God. It's sacrifice. You know, another way of of sacrificing is through energy. You see, you can be present at something, but but are you really giving it all? It's more than just going through the motions. He's putting our whole selves, our energy into it. And the final way to sacrifice sacrifice is through tithing. A tithe that means 10%. We're giving back 10% of what we have to God. See, part of worship is saying that, God, I'm going to put you first in my life. And I think that for many of us that this is the hardest thing to do because we as a culture just worship money like nothing else. Uh, it becomes an idol, something that, that we put before God. It's almost like we put ourselves, our selfishness and our greed before God. But tithing is a way of of counteracting that. Tithing is a way of, of worshiping God and... And even so, whenever God in the Bible, in Deuteronomy, when he commands us to tithe, he says that it's, it's mainly for us, because we're remembering and we're revering the Lord. He says that if you want to grow in your faith and to remember and revere the Lord, then tithe. You see, it's, this, it's a huge act of worship. Uh, that's why we do it in a worship service. Now, uh, so, some people think that, you know, here we are, we're having our worship service, and, you know, we're praising God, and, and we're just in this worship service. And then all of a sudden, wait, everyone, you know, like a referee, blow the whistle. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to take a tea. Okay, we're going to collect the offering. And then as soon as we've collected the offering, okay, everyone resume, play ball. Uh, we're going back to worshiping God. But, see, that's not the case at all. The reason we do it in a worship service is because it is an act of worship. Uh, just um, how amazing it is that we get to say, God, I'm going to put you first in my life and in one of the hardest areas, and I'm going to do so, and this is an act of worship. If you want to be stretched and you want to grow and worship God fully, then make sacrifices. And finally, the fourth point of worship, which I think is the most important. Uh, See, here's the thing. Whenever we picture worship, uh, many of us think that that we are lifting up praises to God. And and for sure, that's part of it. We had just talked about that a little while ago. But it's so much more than that. You see, the main purpose of worship is to receive God's gifts. Receive God's gifts. See, it's mainly about God sending down his gifts to us to transform us and to sustain us. So what are these gifts that he gives us? Well, he gives us the gift of faith to believe in him see if uh, you're new here or maybe this is your first time in church then I hope that you can walk out of here and say you know some of this makes sense I hope that you can walk out of here saying you know they talked about this person named Jesus and I would really like to get to know this person Jesus But you see it's God who whenever we're here whenever we're worshiping it's God who is giving us this faith he is giving us the ability to believe in him and giving us the ability to push out any doubt that we have. He also gives us his word. You know, we can come here to be connected with scripture, the Bible, and God can speak to us through his word. This is how we can become connected to God. In, and this is how we're given the strength and this encouragement. And to, uh, to make this point, I, uh, I made bookmarks that are in your bulletins. And my encouragement is that you take one home and you stick it in your Bible. And if you want extras, we'll have extras out in the courtyard. But, but my hope is that, that this is something that you guys, as uh, a daily reminder of, of being in God's Word, uh, one side has Psalm 23 for encouragement, and the other side has Psalm 51 for confession. Uh, at the bottom of the Psalm 23 side, there's even some references. So if you're going through a hard time or need comfort or need prayer, uh, these are, are great places that you can turn towards. And, and what I like about this is that all these are psalms uh, that really kind of tie up this series. You see, if, if you're reading the book of Psalms, you can see all these different pieces of David in there. Psalm 23 talking about God being a shepherd. Well, David knows what that's about because he was a shepherd. We talk about how God uh, you know, fights off the enemies. Well, David knows about that being a warrior. Or when David uh, confesses and he's redeemed, or David is running and he's crying out to God, where, where are you? Uh, see, we can see all the pieces of David kind of come together in the book of Psalms here. And so I want you guys to, to, to take one of those home, uh, stick it in your Bible, and then to give one to a friend as well. And then the, the last gift that we're given in worship is forgiveness. See, if you notice at the beginning of, of each service after our opening songs, I get up here, And uh, we go through a time when we allow ourselves to reflect on the past week and confess those things to God and say, God, I'm sorry for doing this, this, and this. And then this uh, ability of of hearing God's forgiveness and being forgiven by God. We do that in the beginning of the service. We also do it uh, during the sermon, uh, towards the end of the sermon, so right now. Uh, We we also do it at the end of uh, the service whenever we have sacraments, whenever we have communion. And and so we're receiving forgiveness in all these different areas. And and, and you may be wondering, isn't that just a little bit redundant? Yes, it is. Because if you're anything like me, it takes a few things to get it through my thick skull that we're forgiven. And so the idea here is that you guys can walk out uh, without any doubt, just, just knowing that you are loved and you're forgiven by an amazing God. The past is erased, and we're literally made into a new person, as the Bible says, that we're transformed. Because, see, Jesus did not want to see us separated from him. So he went to the cross for us. He was was abused. He was murdered. And he was nailed to a tree, to that cross, for us. So that we can be forgiven of our sins. And through worship, we get to praise him. And we get to receive that forgiveness. As Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. And all God's people said, amen.